You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Welcome to everybody. It is so fantastic to have you all joining us. Uh, Kia ora to those who are coming back for the first time. You haven't been in the room for a while. It's so good to have you here. It is looking slightly unusual. We have this big, you know, cordoned off area in there. Uh, My understanding is we had to clear that out last week. My understanding is they're going to start working on that space soon. So every week we come, it might be just a little bit more exciting as we make room for more and more people to come and be in this place and hear the message that you guys get to hear every single week. So it's very exciting days, but if you haven't been for a while, it might just be looking a little bit unusual. Uh, We're getting there, we're getting there, we're getting there, and we're so excited for the day when we can just have it all sorted and all ready. It's going to be amazing, isn't it? All right. So in this season, what we have needed is some trust. And uh, I want to bring a message to you today that I have titled Very Extreme Trust. That sounds like crazy, doesn't it? It sounds like big trust, very extreme trust. Uh, And so let me pray and then we'll kick into it. Father, I thank you so much for everybody who's here under the sound of my voice, whether in the room or online. Lord, I thank you that you have called them and chosen them uh, to listen and hear today, God. We thank you for your presence, Lord Jesus, and I thank you for your leading and guiding as I speak today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, at the beginning of the year, my oldest boy, Judah, went to uh, Rainbow's End with a bunch of friends, with a bunch of mates from school. And a few of us parents tagged along just to keep everything under control, you know. And after we had uh, gone into Rainbow's End, we had done uh, the log flume, we'd done the roller coaster, we'd done the gold rush, we'd done the bumper boats, you know, all the standard ones. Uh, The boys all ran ahead of us to go to a newish ride called the Stratosphere. Now, let me just get a show of hands as to the uh, adventurers in the room. Has anybody ridden the stratosphere? All right, okay, okay. Oh, we've got a few of you. Okay, so what you need to know about the stratosphere ride is that there are two different levels of intensity. For some of you, this story is going to make you want to go on the ride, and for others of you, you're going to steer absolutely well clear the next time you are happen to be at Rainbow's End. So there's two levels of intensity. The first is called the less extreme. It says it in big letters, less extreme, over the entry to this ride. Now, this one is more like the pirate ship, you know, you swing up and down like this, you kind of just move from side to side, it kind of makes you feel a little bit ill, but it's not too scary, it's just enough to make you think you might lose your breakfast, but it's not too extreme, right, it's the less extreme, the height restriction on this one is standard, it's much the same as all the other rides, there's nothing major about this one. And then there's the very extreme version. Up above the, the entry, it says very extreme above it. It's like, whoa, this is very extreme. And as you go into this ride, this one is more sort of like a near-death experience than a fun theme park ride when you go on the very extreme version of the ride. This one, as you go up and from side to side, you keep going until you end up eventually dangling upside down for the longest five seconds of your entire life, 30 meters above the concrete ground. You dangle there before you continue going a 360 degree around on this ride. You are hanging on for dear life. Now, 
all these kids, these 11-year-old boys, run toward this ride and they all jump in the less extreme version of the ride, all except my child, (laughs) Judah, who jumps on the very extreme side of the ride. And before I can convince him it is not a good idea, I'm watching as my skinny 11-year-old is being strapped into this ride. Now, he may have been tall enough to pass the height test, but I think there should have been a width test because this boy is skinny as a rake and was rattling around in this ride as he was, I couldn't watch. I could not watch. I felt sick to my stomach as I watched my child, my 11-year-old skinny as a rake kid, just hanging upside down uh, 30 metres above the ground, 360, it was just, it was, listen, I know, I know that this thing would have been manufactured to the highest standard. I know it would have gone through trials and tests to prove that it was trustworthy, but you could not have reassured me enough as I watched my 11-year-old hang from 30 metres above the ground. When his feet hit the floor, Oh, the relief that swept over me when his feet hit solid ground and he came running off the ride. He said to me, Mom, I don't think I should have gone on that ride. I was sure I was going to fall through. I was like, thanks, great. Thank you for telling me. You know, I can't help but think that sometimes life feels like we are dangling from 30 metres above the ground, putting all of our trust in the thing that's holding us. See, most of the time, we could probably call life the less extreme ride, couldn't we? I mean, it's life, isn't it? There's ups and downs, but they're just the ebbs and flows of life. Like you need the harness, you need the harness. You're thankful for the harness, you're holding on to the harness, but most of the time, the things that life throws at you, you can handle, you expect them. We're okay, we're we're good. But then there are some seasons, and I think we can all agree that the last two years of life, we would actually label the very extreme ride, the very extreme roller coaster of life, where you feel like you've been spun 360 degrees and you're left hanging above the ground where you spend your time just holding on for dear life. I know there have been days for you in the last two years where you feel like you're holding on for dear life. Like if you weren't holding on, you would just like slip through that harness where you have no option but to close your eyes, hope for the best, hold on and hope it will be over soon. I mean, guys, what is going on in the world today? Like seriously, when you turn on the news, it is out of control. I watched one news highlight and it wasn't even the news. It was the, this is what's coming in the news today. There was talk of the the pandemic. There was talk of the the wars in Ukraine. There was talk of the price rise of of gas and and all the financial stuff. There was, at the time, there was extreme flooding. Guys, in Christchurch, there was a news article about people who had hundreds and hundreds of bunnies all in their backyard that were being mistreated. The bunnies aren't even safe in the world today. What is going on? And that is just the newsreel. That's not your newsreel. And I wonder what's going on in your life. I wonder what season you've been walking through where you're just holding on for dear life, 
where you're like, well, I knew life was a roller coaster, but this is something else. Like, this is very extreme. I wonder what season you are waiting to end so that your feet feel like they're on solid ground again. It's in those seasons that we have no choice but to just hold on to the very thing that's holding us. The very extreme ride of life requires a very extreme trust. And my heart today is to share with you what it means to trust God in those seasons of chaos and confusion. Proverbs 3 verse 5 5 to 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. We know this verse, don't we? We know this verse well. We recite it in Sunday school and we learn it as we're a child. If you grew up in church, it's one of those ones that we learn as our scripture, as our Bible memory verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Submit to Him and He will make your path straight. We memorize that one, but when the very extreme ride of life comes, it is at that very moment we learn what that verse really means. And as I myself, like many of you, have journeyed through those very extreme trust required seasons, I have learned what it really means to trust God in the confusion and chaos. And what I learned was that there are a few things we have to reconcile within ourselves. And I wanted to share three of those things with you today. Are you ready? All right, here's number one. This is what we have to know. Trusting God means I am not responsible for everything. Trusting God means that I am not responsible for everything. See, I think we often approach life in the same way that we approach a boot full of groceries, right? Let me explain. We arrive home with our groceries. We open the boot. We survey. We survey the groceries and we look at them and we think, yes, Yes, I can do this. Yes, I can carry this on my own. And then we look from the door of the house to the car boot and we, watch the, we look at the distance and we think, yes, I can do this on my own and in one go. Yes, I can. And then we begin to load ourselves up, don't we? We load ourselves up. We put things in one hand. We tuck them under the armpit. And then we put the old uh, the, uh, toilet paper between the legs. And then you're kind of kicking along something as well. At the same time, you're kicking along the juice bottle and you're carrying everything all in one hand. Honey, do you need some help? No, I'm good. Are you sure? Because it kind of looks like you could do this. No, no, I've got this. I've got this. See, we have somehow come up with this crazy notion that we have to carry it all and we have to carry it all ourselves. But I want you to know what trust means. Trust means letting go of the false responsibility that I have assigned myself to carry everything. That's what it looks like to trust. Trust means trusting God to carry what I shouldn't and couldn't carry. Trust means trusting others to carry what I shouldn't and couldn't carry. Moses knew what it was to have that, if I don't do it, no one else will mentality. He knew what it was. See, after leading the Israelites out of Egypt to the mountain where God downloaded the law and then into the wilderness, it was about a year in that time span of leading the Israelites, but at the same time of listening to them complaining, they're moaning, they're groaning, after a year of fixing their problems and tending to their complaints and interceding on their behalf and pleading for God not to wipe them out because of their mistakes, he finally snaps. 
He finally saps and in Numbers 11, he has this meltdown before the Lord. Have you ever had one of those? They're like holy meltdowns. Uh, he has this meltdown before the Lord and he just, he just says, I can't do it anymore. He, just, he says in verse 11, he says, I can't carry these people by myself. They are too much for me. And I wonder if you've ever come to that point. I wonder if you've ever come to the point in your journey where you're like, I just, I can't carry this anymore. I can't carry this teenager by myself anymore. I can't carry these marriage struggles by myself anymore. I can't carry this financial strain on my own anymore. I can't carry this family dysfunction on my own anymore. It is too much for me. And in Numbers 11, we see that the Lord answers Moses' cry. And he says, bring me 70 men from Israel, known to the elders and officers of the people. Take them to the tent of meeting and have them stand there with you. Then I will come down and speak with you there. I will take some of the spirit that is on you and I will put it on them. And they will, listen to this, they will help you bear the burden of the people so that you don't have to bear it yourself anymore. See, some of you feel like you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders because you are insisting on bearing it all on your own. Like Moses, you've carried the weight of the people. For you have convinced yourself that you are responsible for everything. And in seasons of chaos and confusion, trust is realizing that actually, I am not responsible for everything and everyone. And for some of you, it means looking at your life and asking yourself the question, what am I carrying that isn't mine to carry? It's time to let God carry it. It's time to let God carry it. Trust means I'm not responsible for everything. The second thing I've learned that trust means is this. Trust means I may never fully get it. Trusting God means I have to reconcile myself to the fact that I may never fully get it. See, I would li I'd like us to take a look at the book of Job for just a moment where we see a man who is on the very extreme version of the right. He has lit his life has been turned upside down. He is dangling from that 30 meters. He is hanging on for dear life. See, in, in the book of Job, we read that he loses his livelihood. He loses his children, all of his children die. He loses his home. He loses every one of his servants. He loses his health. And throughout this book, we see multiple friends of his who try to explain to Job why he is having such a hard time. Those friends, right? He's trying to give him a reason. They're trying to give him a reason for his suffering. They say things like, oh, you must have done something to deserve it. Like you must have sin in your life, Job. You must, God must be judging you, Job. That's why it's all happening to you. God's judging you. God must be punishing you. Or Job, there must be a lesson for you to learn. You know, God must be trying to teach you something in this season. How many of you have heard those types of things before? The interesting thing about the book of Job is that after 37 chapters of everybody trying to hypothesize why Job is suffering, we finally hear from God. But have you ever asked someone something, a question, and they've given you a really long answer? But at the end of their answer, you realize they haven't answered the question. Hey, 
you still haven't answered the question that I asked. You're still none the wiser. I kind of feel like this would be Job at this moment because God speaks and he gives a really long answer. But when you get to the end of it, you realize he doesn't actually answer their question. He doesn't tell Job the reason why he's suffering. He doesn't give him an answer for it. Instead, what he does is he simply reminds him that he is still in control. He reminds him of his sovereignty. He reminds him of who he is in the most humbling way as only God can do. Read with me in Job 38 verse four where it says, where were you when I established the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who fixed its dimensions? Certainly you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? What supports its foundations? Who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Who enclosed the sea behind doors when it burst from the womb? When, it, when I made the clouds in its garment and total darkness its blanket? When I determined its boundaries and put its bars and doors in place? When I declared, you come this far and no further, your proud waves stop there and it goes on and on and on in the same way, verse after verse after verse. What is it saying? It's saying when you are in a season of confusion and chaos, you may never fully get it but you can know the one who does. You may never fully get it, but you can know the one who does. And I am not sure what circumstance of chaos and confusion, if you're watching online, I don't know what circumstance of chaos and confusion is causing you to ask questions that you are struggling to find the answers for. But what I can tell you is this, may I suggest that you shift your point of reconciliation that you shift your point of reconciliation to I need to get from I need to get answers to I need peace even when the answers don't come see trust means I have a place to take my questions and while I may not find all the answers I can find peace in his sovereignty I can find peace in his sovereignty trust means I may never fully get it the third thing Third thing that I want you to know about peace, a trust that I have learned is this. Trust means the rest is up to God. The rest, if we're gonna really trust God in this season, we've gotta know that the rest is up to God. 2021 was a big year, both in our church and personally. It was a big year. The first six months were insane. We bought a house, we sold our house, we moved house twice, I released my book. We completed this enormous botany campus and had the opening. The, the first six months of the year just felt massive. There were moments where I thought, am I crazy? Like, what is, why am I doing all of this? And I can clearly remember three particular weeks in the month of June. They were insane. June the 4th, we moved house. June the 13th, we finished the renovations and we had our big opening here uh, of the, the new side of the building. On June 18th and 19th, we hosted a replenish conference where 600 ladies came in a new building. Like in the space of three weeks, that's a busy week. That's a busy, you know, busy day in, in church. And I can remember having a meeting with our team as we were planning it. Uh, in the, at the end of May. And I can remember sitting there with our team and then we'd kind of finished our meeting with all of our planning. And I can remember sitting with Dan Owen, our worship pastor. And I remember saying to him in a very, I was, you know, one of those full of faith pastors in the moment. And I, I said to him, Dan, I don't know if we can do this. Like, I don't know if we can do this. And he said to me, that's okay. We will just do as much as we can do. We'll go as far as we can go. And the rest God will just have to do the rest. Yeah. 
we have no other option, he said to me. We have no other option. I said, you know what, Dan, you are absolutely right. <laughs> and I remember standing in our boardroom, which overlooks the cafe. There's a window in, overlooking the cafe. I can remember standing there on Replenish Weekend, the final weekend, and I can remember watching all the ladies mingling and having coffees and, and you know, just chatting with each other. They were connecting. They were talking, and it was full of women. And I can remember standing there, and the words that Dan spoke came back to me as I stood there watching God at work, that God did the rest. I felt like I was seeing God doing the rest. We did everything we could do. What we needed to do was humanly impossible. We just could not get everything across the line, but God did the rest and we were able to watch God at work because he absolutely did. See, I realized in that moment that trust could look, what trust could look like in my life. Trust meant in seasons of chaos and confusion that I can stand back and watch God at work. In seasons of confusion and chaos, trust in your life means standing back and watching God at work. Sometimes you just can't do more. You just can't be more, give more, say more. Sometimes you just can't even pray more. Your only option is to step back and let God step and I'm reminded of so many moments in Scripture where people find themselves in the same situation where they have no choice. They're stepping out in obedience, but they're also feeling very inadequate. And, and all they can do is let God finish what they are starting. Peter, Peter on the boat, when he stepped out, he stepped out of obedience and yet felt very inadequate. And all he could do in that moment was let God finish the step that he started. Noah, when he built the ark, an act of obedience and yet feeling very inadequate. All Noah could do was step out and let God finish the step that he started. Esther, when she entered into the king's court, having not been invited in an attempt to save her people, when she stepped out as an act of obedience and inadequacy, she just had to rely that God would do the rest, that he would finish what he started. The woman who had the oil and the flour, there's a woman in scripture, she has enough oil and enough flour to bake one more loaf of bread and then her and her son are gonna die because they have no means of making any more, no means of getting any more, no means of purchasing any more. This is their last meal. And then a man of God comes along and says, yes, that's very nice, but I want you to make me your first loaf of bread. And I can't imagine the fear and the worry and the anxiety that she would have been feeling, but a miracle took place when she kept pouring out the oil and the flour to make the bread. She didn't run out. It was a miraculous moment where she stepped out in obedience and inadequacy and God finished the work he started. Let God do the rest. She let God do the rest. What a beautiful picture of a God who steps in to our lack. And I think too many of us, we don't take the first step because we're worried about what the last step will look like. Too many times we don't step out and do the thing that God is calling us to do because we're too concerned about how and when and what and is, are the, all the other steps gonna play, take place. But all God is asking is that we take the first step because why? The rest is up to God. He will finish the work he starts in us. I'm gonna ask the band to come and join me now because here's the last thing I wanna say, but it's super duper important. Super duper, did you like that? Super duper important, yes, very important. That's very biblical. Uh, 
Write this down. When I know him, trust is an overflow. When I know him, trust is an overflow. See, here's what Psalm 9 verse 10 says. It says, those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Those who know your name trust in you. You ever been around someone who name drops? You know, like they just drop in there a famous or well-known person into the conversation. Like, how was your day at work? Oh, yeah, it was really good di- good day. Um, Richie McCall walked past my building, so, you know. Or like, what are you going to do on the weekend? Oh, you know what? I was just thinking about that right before Peter Jackson stepped into the elevator. Interesting, eh? Like, yeah, okay, you know, why do the people do that? Why do people feel the need to name drop? Well, it's because certain names give us credibility. If someone sends you somewhere, they'll often say, tell them I sent you, or just give them my name. When I used to visit my dad at his work, if I went in and gave them my name, they would look at me blankly, but if I give them my dad's name, they open the doors and welcome me in. Why? Because his name carried weight. It gave me credibility, not because of who I am, but because of who he is. And I just wanna take a moment right now, I hope you don't mind, but I wanna name drop. I just wanna let you know who I know, because I don't know if you know but I know El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. And I don't know if you know, but I know El Elyon, the Most High God. And I don't know if you know, but I know Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner, He is my hope. And I know El Roy, the God who sees. And I'm not sure if you know, but I know Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd. I also know Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that is there. And do you know Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides? And I'm not sure if you know, but I know Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is my peace. See, His name carries weight and it gives credibility to His character. And so if I know His name, I know that I can trust Him. If I know Him, trust becomes an overflow because I know exactly who He is. Trust means taking God at His word, believing that He is who He says He is. Even in my season of chaos and confusion, those who know your name will trust you. Amen, come on. So my question for you right now is do you know Him? Do you know him? And I want to take a moment to speak to those in the room or watching online, and maybe you don't. Maybe right now you'd say you're far from God. And I'm going to ask everyone, both in the room and if you're watching online, I want to invite you to do this as well. Why don't you just close your eyes for me? Because maybe you've come to church today, maybe you're watching online, and you would say, Bex, you know what? I don't know God. And I'm re- I really finding this season, it's, I'm finding it really difficult and, and I, I don't have anywhere to place my feet. There's no solid ground beneath my feet. I want you to know today that there's a God I wanna introduce you to and it's a God you can trust. It's a God who is faithful. It's a God who is trustworthy. He's a God who is good in every season. And right now I'm gonna invite you to join with me as I pray a prayer. 
because God loves you and he wants nothing more than to be in relationship with you. The problem is, is that every single one of us, we sin, we mess up, we make mistakes, we try and do it our own way. And that sin, it separates us from God. But the Lord wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to walk a journey with you. He wants to see you fulfill every purpose and plan that he has for your life. And so he sent his son Jesus to come and live a sinless life on earth and die a sinner's death, that he might bear the, the debt and pay the debt that you and I would do for our sin so that we could live in eternity with God. And I'm gonna pray a prayer and I'm gonna invite every single person to pray this prayer with me, whether it's the first time or the first time in a long time. Would you join me? Let's pray. Dear God, thank you that you sent your son to go to the cross for me. Thank you that he paid the debt that I was due. I choose your forgiveness today. I choose to turn my life to you. I ask that you would come into my life and make me brand new today. Thank you for the plans and the purposes that you have for me in Jesus' name. With every head still bowed and every eye closed, I just wanna take one more moment. I'd love to be able to acknowledge you online. You can do this too. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you, there's a button coming up. It says, I raise my hand. If you're watching online, I wanna encourage you to push that button. Be nice and brave. We would love to acknowledge that you prayed that prayer. In the room, I'm gonna count to three. I'm gonna ask you to be really brave. As I count to three, I wanna ask you just to lift your hand. You can lift it so I can see it. I'll acknowledge it. You can put it straight back down. Not gonna make you stand up. Not gonna make you come to the front. We won't embarrass you, nothing like that. I'd just love to be able to see who I prayed for. Are you ready? Be bold, be brave. One, two, three. All across the auditorium, you can lift your hand. Yeah, thank you, awesome. Online, I can see you already. Yes, I see you, yes, thank you. Yes, thank you, over there, I can see you. Anybody else, you're saying, Bex, I prayed that prayer. Yes, thank you, awesome. Prayed that prayer. Maybe it wasn't the first time, but maybe you just, right now you feel far from the Lord. Thank you, Lord, awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for every person who's lifted their hand. Lord, I thank you for the transformed lives that are in this room and online today. And Lord, I thank you that heaven celebrates right now. And as they celebrate, we celebrate too. Come on, church. Would you give God some praise? Amen. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz